It's the Mermaid Podcast. We've got mermaids on the land and down below. Legs or fins, you will love our show. All the news that makes a splash is on the Mermaid Podcast. Hello, you're listening to the Mermaid Podcast, and I'm your host, Laura Von Holt, the Fairy Boss Mother. Hi, Mer friends! In this episode, you will hear a replay of a conversation that happened on Facebook Live called Merfolk for Black Lives, in which black merfolk talked about their experiences on land and under the sea. A little bit of background. The hashtag Merfolk for Black Lives was started on Instagram by Mermaid Shea Monique, whom you will hear a lot more from in a future episode. In her original post on June 3rd, 2020, Mermaid Shea Monique asked Merfolk to take a photo of themselves with the hashtag Merfolk for Black Lives and post it on social media with an explanation of why it was important to them. The Merfolk community has really taken up that call to discuss why the Black Lives Matter movement is important to them and that hashtag now has hundreds of posts on social media. In the conversation you're about to hear, Mermaid Shea Monique is joined by Mermaid Jessalie, Blick Tsunami, Caribbean Pearl, Fernando Delacroix, and Kiva Queen Merkhorn. This is a really fun crowd, and personally, it was an absolute joy to spend time listening to them. The conversation did go on for longer than what you'll hear in this episode, so if you want to hear the rest of it, and you do because they are great people, you can go to Mermaid Shea Monique's YouTube or Facebook page. I will have the links to those and how to follow all of these merfolk in the show notes. Thank you so much to these mers for their time and generosity in sharing their experiences. Thank you to Mermaid Shea Monique for organizing this and starting the conversation. I hope that you follow these mer friends and support them. Thank you for listening. Black Lives Matter. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Thank you, um, my fellow Mer friends, for joining me. And thank you to whomever is watching online for joining us to talk about hashtag Merfolk for Black Lives and just talk about what is going on truly I'm going to say in the world today, but really, we're really talking about what has been happening here in the United States since the inception of the United States. I started Merfolk for Black Lives just as an accessible way for folks to start talking about and engaging in conversations about race. I know for a lot of non-Black people, it's really hard to talk about race. It's scary. It's intimidating. And you know, for a while, the polite thing to do was not talk about it and say that you like don't see color. But in not talking about it and not seeing color, you erase us. And it makes it hard for us to talk about our lived experiences because it's very easy to deny them. Merfolk for Black Lives, since we are all, I'm imagining most of the people watching are MERS, um, Merfolk, and I'm sure some of us um, are just friends and fans, uh, is just an easy way for those of us in the kind of fantasy world to go, things are so serious that even in the world of fantasy, we need to talk about what's going on. I'm very excited because this conversation is being recorded for the Mermaid podcast, and um, so if you find this conversation interesting and you want your friends to check it out, please um, go check out the Mermaid podcast. I'm not exactly sure when it's coming out, but this conversation will be played live for that. I would like to say that I want to express my gratitude to the larger Mer 
maid, merfolk, merman, mernim, mersun community for <laughs> really taking up this merfolk for Black Lives banner. I didn't really think that many people were going to participate, were going to engage in what was going on. And I have been blown away by how many folks have like taken the time to start having com hard conversations with their family. And we are here today. My hope is that as you listen to your peers and listen to other MERS about both our experiences kind of under the sea in the MER community and in our real lives, that maybe some of these stories you hear on the news don't seem so distant and you start to understand like, why is this stuff important? In my video, Talking about merfolk for Black lives, I said, unfortunately, racism impacts for people of color every aspect of our being. But the good news about that is if you're someone who wants to start to engage and have these conversations, you can pick anything you're interested in. So, like, obviously, you're interested in mermaids. So uh, you can listen to our stories and you'll have, like, oh, this is how it impacts merfolk. Um, I said in the live, you know, if you're shopping for a house and you're going, oh, you know, I want to make sure that we're in a good school district for my kids. Research redlining and learn how like housing discrimination still happens in the United States. And then learn how that housing discrimination results in black and brown kids having access to poor quality of schools. And then let that lead you to the school to prison pipeline. There's whatever you're interested in. I said, you know, if you like to smoke weed, like. Think about how marijuana crimes are more likely. <laughs> Raise your hand. You know, but look at who gets prosecuted for simple possession charges and who doesn't, you know? Right. So it really doesn't matter what you're interested in. Unfortunately, racism impacts all of it. So find whatever is the, the your entry point to start standing up for Black folks. The country is protesting because a lot of people have died lately, but the country is also protesting because folks are fed up. Mm -hmm. And part of the interesting, like, kind of stew of what's happened is, you know, COVID, which is the reason, you know, a lot of things are happening virtually and we're able to have lives like this, which is pretty cool. We found that it's impacting Black and Brown people more. And it seemed like as soon as that information came out, the government was like, oh, it's only killing the black folks. Let's open up. And so even that is part of why we're in this enough is enough. And I will tell you for me that in 2014, when we were marching in 2016 for Trayvon Martin um, and Michael Brown, right? Like mm -hmm. at that time, it was stop killing us. Now I'm here for an epic quality of life. So couple years ago, if we could have just gotten the police to let off people's backs, that would have been great. But now I want equality for every element of life. And so I'm really excited to have this conversation with some of my other Finned friends um, so we can just talk about things. So I don't know if I actually introduced myself. I am Mermaid Shea Monique. My pronouns are she, her. Um, I am a mermaid based in the DC area. I swim with Metro Merfolk. I did start the Merfolk for Black Lives hashtag. And I also started the Society of Fat Mermaids. I'm going to around <laughs> and Blix is wearing an awesome Society of Fat Mermaids shirt and I am too. <laughs> so you guys can't yes. see it. Nice. So we're gonna go clockwise and Mermaid Jessely, would you introduce yourself and your pronouns and why you're here today? Hi, I'm Mermaid Jessely. I um am a she. I um, also am a DC-based mermaid, as well as Egypt, as well. Yeah, mm -hmm. 
Um, but right now, because of COVID in the DC area, um, started mermaiding in 2018 and have loved every second of it. Um, I'm here today because Worm Folks for Black Lives, which Shay Monique started, is incredible. Um, I love the support that we've been given. I do want to educate people more. And my experience as a Black mermaid has been absolutely incredible with the response I've gotten from children, families, um, the mer community as a whole. So would love to just elaborate on that. Pearl. Hi, I'm Caribbean Pearl, or Mermaid Pearl. Uh, I'm being in the community since 2008, 2009. And I'm right now back in Florida, so that now is my, uh, my home back in Mid, uh, Central Florida right now is exactly in Tampa. And the reason that I said this invitation is because uh, I think that we have one more time an opportunity to change, to help people change, to help people see us, as they say, people uh, come together because in half a century is very little that was in Yes, in being changed. We still haven't seen change, but it's not enough, and we are tired. So I'm personally I'm tired. I'm 52, and I'm tired. And every time the 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 something happens, so we or don't say nothing, or we just put our head down. And I think it's time that uh, we come together and as a mermaid see the unity, especially in uh, with the black mermaid. It's been touched my you know it's been touched my heart my heart very deeply because I've been there and I haven't seen the, in the beginning and not having been supported by other members in the community. And I think that it's been changed. Uh, like Monique say, I haven't, the whole week, uh, almost the last two weeks, I've been like completely crazy about people just don't say, oh yeah, so we support you. No, people actually have to reach, reach everybody. I had a friend having written me the, and say, hey, I see you, I'm with you. And it's, it's nice to, to have people that actually recognize that we are there too. Yes. Nando? Uh, I am Nando D of the Deep Blue Sea. <laughs> I have been a merman since uh, 2014, uh, thanks to Caribbean Pearl up here. She is the reason <laughs> that I uh, decided to start on this journey. Um, <clears throat> The reason I accepted this invitation was to uh, give my experience as uh, a light-skinned member of uh, the person of color community and how, like, my experience has led to um, internalized racism when it comes to uh, the way I feel about being labeled certain ways, um, as well as how I feel I've over-assimilated to fit into a box that is a whitewashed kind of this is the only way you can fit into the world and as my re-education has happened i'm realizing to be more me and more authentically me and more culturally authentically me and how uh, that benefits everyone uh with diversity and inclusion hello I am the Blick Tsunami. I go by he, him, she, her, they, <laughs> it, everything. I don't care. Um, <laughs> I started 
Ah, uh, well, I've been obsessed with mermaids since I was a little guppy. Got my first tail in 2012, got my first gig in 2015, and I have been squish splashing around ever since then. I accepted this invitation because why not? Y'all, people who know me from YouTube know that I am always down for the melanated mermaid community. I am always here to lend my voice and be loud and unapologetically black about yeah. everything I speak about. That's so right. as soon as my sister I love you. <laughs> as soon as my sister, Shay Monique, was like, yo, I'm doing this live, I was like, girl, let's go. <laughs> so yeah, I'm excited and I'm here to talk about my experience and I'm also here to hear about everybody else's experience because I am a fan of all of y'all and I'm so excited for this. So yes, thank you, Shay. <laughs> Thank you. I'm so happy you're here. It looks like Kiva's having connection issues. Kiva, can you hear us? No. Okay. Whenever Kiva pops back on, we will. Oh, maybe. Uh -oh. Kiva, can you hear us? Well, whenever Kiva comes on, we will be glad to have Kiva. Um. Uh, all right, so I posted a picture the other day that said the, what did I say? I think it said the movement is intersectional. It said something is intersectional, but I wanted to talk about intersectionality. Um, and <laughs> Esmeralda said, yes, that is what I said. <laughs> Whatever it is, it's intersectional. And if you're not familiar with that term, intersectionality, I believe the term was coined by a Dr. Kimberly Crenshaw, but it's the idea that we all have different elements of our identity and like in this capitalist, somewhat oppressive world, like different things can make our lives harder. So like the simplest way, and I will, I need to say this for full disclosure. I'm so excited to be like hashtag merfolk for black lives. When I speak, I speak from my personal experience. I do there. not speak, there is Kiva. I do not speak from like books so my stats are never right but we know that you know everybody feminists always complain that like a woman earns what's it 63 cents to a man's dollar right but then you can break that down and it's like okay the black man makes less than the white man and then the black woman makes less than the white woman and so if for it's 79 cents i think for the white woman it's 79 cents and by the time you get to the black woman it's 63 cents right and so like, if I'm looking at different things I may experience in life, like, yes, like, things that are misogynist impact me as a woman, and things that are racist impact me as a Black person. Mm -hmm. um, I have weird privilege um, because of, I think, more so where I live, right? So I have, like, certain class privilege that I've assumed from my parents, but it's more like a geographic privilege. Like I went to an area that had amazing public schools, you know? And so even though I was talking about redlining and school to prison pipelines, that didn't directly impact my life. But as we have different identities, if you're black, if you're queer, if you're a woman, if you're you know, a person of size, like all of these different things, you know, how much socioeconomic class you have all impact you. And a lot of things in the world that we face are, class-based because we're in a capitalist society. And so I think one of the things that is hard for white people, especially if you came from a poorer background to hear, is that, you know, racism exists because if 
you see that I grew up in a maybe upper middle class environment and maybe your parents grew up, you know, on a farm or in a trailer park, you're like, you definitely had it better than me. And in some ways I did, right? Like I had access to a better school. But then, you know, maybe when I get pulled over, I have a different experience than you. Or when I have to go talk to a government official, I have a different experience than you. And so all of our identities are um, intersectional. I've seen cool things that people do, like a privilege walk, where people kind of take different steps forward and back based on different parts of their identity. But I was wondering if everybody would be feel comfortable talking about how their intersectional identities impact them. So I am a Black, fat, queer, and that's strange, not strange, but that's not a huge impact in my life because I'm now married to a cis man. So like, I don't have to worry about how I look when I go out with my husband um, or anything like that, but it is a part of my identity, woman. And so on different circumstances, and I am actually poor, even though I grew up in a middle-class environment. And so those are kind of the intersections that I live with. Um, And so I was wondering if you all would like to share the intersections that you kind of sit at. Jess? So I um, am a Black female who actually used to be um, quite heavy um, or considered, you know, obese uh, before I lost, you know, tons of weight. Um, And that really affected my life because I was, you know, discriminated against because of being heavy. Like, oh, you can't be a cheerleader. You can't be a lifeguard because you're heavy. Well, yes, I can. I can do everything that these than people can do. Um, being black, I've been black all of my life, but growing up and privileged in the DC area, sometimes it's not that I forgot that I was black, but when it was called out to me, like the way I'm treated by law enforcement or the way I'm stared at because I'm the only black person in the room, it takes me back. I'm like, oh, yes, I am different. I guess I'm not like you. Um, you know, going to private schools and then having the great experience of going to a historically black college, that was a culture shock. It was just, it was awesome, and it taught me so much, and I, and I value that experience of being able to be in a historically black college and university, and that's what actually rounded me and made me who I am today. So, Wow. Um, what can I say? I grew up in a very poor uh, neighborhood in Puerto Rico, and with you know, my mom at that time, uh, was, we was four kids. But I grew up in a white family where my brother and I was the only black people. In the family. And, and, and I grew up being black and never looked like it was any problem. So I had neighbors or, you know, their family. But my particular family, you know, all my family from my mother's side, they are white. And for my father's side, so he, he was black, uh, the black person. And I grew up being caught in black. And for Latin people, we know that, you know, it's how you say it. They really, so to call somebody Negro is, is not an offense. It's, it's what you are. Uh, but not was until uh, probably in third, I would say that was probably almost like four years. That I was with my stepmother and we was driving in a row and it was a class of ballet. And I guess that's actually when I started my, my little thing for, for dancing. So I get looking at it and I was like, you know, like really surprised. And this is the first time that I remember. So my stepmother looked at me and I was like, Oh, you cannot do that because ballet is not for black people. 
And I was four, and I remember, unfortunately, because a lot of things happened in my in my life, that I have those friends. And I was like, so I, that's when I kind of realized that they, I was different. I was different because the color of my skin. And those comments that people normally do about black people, starting, you know, kind of like, may sense, you know, why people say that, but... You know, you always got the, 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 the part that, oh, but I'm not, I'm not, uh, racist because my grandmother is black. Well, I'm not racist because, you know, my daughter is black. But even in my own family, I, or I feel, you know, division or separation just because my mom had a black kid. So even my mom, uh, probably not the, the red. And again, we're talking about and this back in the 17, there was, a little different, a little different the way, but that's what I say. A lot of people, a lot of things haven't changed. So back in the day, a lot of things was okay. No, it was until probably my 18 that I kind of like, no, it's not okay. It's not. Okay. And I started, you know, open, open, uh, trying to find, uh, define, define with uh, myself. But, and like many people, um, was having places that I was not allowed to enter because of the color of my skin. Was at one uh, hotel in Puerto Rico, they very famous. And in 1990, they told me they have to leave. And so I was with my my friend from Panama that she was uh, black too, or she's black. And they told me that we have to leave, that we cannot be there. And I was, and said, well, yeah, but the other dancer, they are part of the crew, they are here. No, no, you know, you have to leave or we're going to go. And again, you, that was when they actually really hit me, the thing that people say, oh, no, I'm not racial. I, I like everybody. God make everybody uh, equal. But it's just a say. It's a say. And getting started, getting a, a tough kidney, like you want to say it like that. But no, wasn't that I moved to Florida in Miami, the... I started getting see the stuff, you know, like you see and hear stuff in the TV and, and, and other and other culture. But when I went to Miami, I'm not was only black. I was Latina. I'm Puerto Rican. I'm a woman. And I started to see a lot of a lot of a lot of difficult that people was trying to put in front of me to me don't do stuff or not trying to get what I want what I want to do. And and then just the way that I grew up, yeah, in the beginning, I was very, you know, angry person, if you want to call it like that. You know, like, I have a lot of issues with, with people, you know, like, saying stuff or, or I was having issues. So, and I say, when I discovered the dancing and obviously the entertainment business is when I actually kind of shame and, and I say, you know, like, we just have to work harder. So... We had the same opportunities that everybody here, and everybody say, "Oh, mm -hmm. yes, we have it, but we have to work hard. We have to work hard." And I, one of the things that they, they, uh, I remind me is, it was actually the, uh, when I moved, uh, when I get to Miami, probably like a month, I have to take uh, the bus uh, to go to the mall. Yeah, these two Black American women, and they was talking and saying, but they was looking at me kind of like. Like something wrong. I was like, I don't know. Maybe my breast come coming out of the chair. I don't know because that's what the people immediately. So I was like, and so and they and they told me they told me you are not black. 
I was like, what do you mean I'm not black? You know, I grew up in black. I said, they said, no, you're not, you're not black. You're, Sp- you're Latina. I was like, oh, okay. And now I'm not even black. Now I'm brown. So I don't, you know, so many divisions that right now sometimes I don't know where I am. <laughs> so, but it's, it's, been, it's been hard and I, it's been hard and I, people change and I, and the, and the reason, one of the reasons that I'm doing this is because I have so many people that I know, they are my friend, they love me and stuff like that. But sometimes people do comment that they thinking they don't hurt. Mm-hmm. You know, like, uh, I want to put a, a, a quick example. Is, uh, I have a friend, a, a Cubano, white, uh, white thing, and he always likes to say that, uh, oh, if you if you get the if you get this machine to a, a white person, they're just gonna be done. But if you give it to a black person, it's gonna break it. And I was uh, and he's next to me. Uh, and I was like, oh really? Yeah, I was like, oh, yeah. it's not no no, it's, it's nothing personal. So you're different. And I was like, how are different? How can be different? And that's why I think that we need to educate people or people trying to you know like really you know like I don't say you racial or you don't want to say the racial, but don't like right and that's exactly why we're here i feel like and, and that's literally why we're here everybody has these and everybody has it it's part of the culture of america and so uh, everybody has these racist ideas that are just built all into just so many different things in the cartoons you look at the old cartoons i know everybody uh was looking at how disney has their little like oh, by the way, our shows used to be racist warnings with, like, Disney Plus now, you know, but it's just built into everything, but we all, like, folks always go, oh, it's not you, and it's like, no, it is us, and so I want us to have this conversation to to humanize it, and so that you realize that, you know, Nando and Blix could get profiled just as easily as a George Floyd or a Trayvon Martin, and um, and, you know, Jess and Pearl and Kiva and I can, you know, get harassed just as easily as a Sandra Bland, you know, and it's so easy to just go, oh, that's something that's so far away. And it's like, no, as uh, Black people, like, there's kind of a duality we live with. And these are mm-hmm. things that we constantly think about, you know, as I was speaking earlier about my privilege of living in, you know, in a kind of upper class area but also that means like especially with COVID I've been taking like three mile walks every day so I've been getting out of my like immediate two mile area so especially you know just walking around my neighborhood I feel very conspicuously black because there's not a lot of other people who look like me and and it's it's such a weird thing you know do I go out in my sports bra and my bright pink shorts you know as a 300 pound black woman with natural hair or do I tone it down to get less harassed and like what what is am, am I if I tone it down? Am I being true to myself? And there's just this dual duality. But I want folks who are listening and watching to go anytime you've gone like, oh, black people this or made a joke or had a thought, but then turn to their friend and go, oh, but not you. You know that yes, it is us. Right. Yeah. Nando, would you like to talk about your intersectionality? Um, yeah, well, my intersectionality, um, I am a uh, gay, bi-curious, cisgendered male. Um, 
Um, biracial, I guess. Um, my mother comes from a white Puerto Rican family. Uh, my father comes from a black Curacao family. Um, mm-hmm. Super dark skin. Uh, yeah. My dad, uh, a, a lot more red, redder tone. Um, so from there, uh, my mother got a lot of flack for marrying my father because uh, she married uh, El Negro, which means the black guy. So uh, my mom, of course, got ostracized from her family because of that. Um, and just growing up privy to that, um, obviously me being the lightest of my brothers, um, I got to be witness to us being treated differently and being described and labeled differently, even though we come from the same mom and same dad. Um, Literally, we are different colors of the same litter. And um, so growing up in Southwest Florida is a little bit more of a a very South, very uh, right-wing kind of place. Um, so seeing that my brother was always treated different, I decided early on when I was about 12 to fully assimilate. I decided that pretty much anything that had to do with, uh, being black wasn't going to lead to anything prosperous or anything good. So I walked away from everything culturally and just put it all down. Um, in that I, I felt like I was missing something because my father has always explained about his black experience. I've seen my father have the black experience, be stopped, different things like that. Um, as well as, uh, another intersection for me is not feeling Spanish enough, not feeling black enough. I am light skinned. So I obviously am not black, but I grew up only speaking English, so I'm obviously not Spanish enough. So I've I've always kind of my intersection is that I've always felt not enough. In my re-education in Atlanta, I was able to kind of re-identify with black culture and what about black culture like is so ingrained in me that I love so much and to re-identify and re-represent for my people because I was able to put the struggle in a better contextualized history being in Atlanta. And I I was able to get that education versus like South Florida. They don't really offer anything like that. Um, um, To to, uh, Caribbean Pearl's last point, um, there are people that I I am privy to um, that don't think that, I come from a black father and they think that they can say anything and that it doesn't affect me. Like that's my dad. That's a, that's a part. That's half of me that you don't accept that you don't respect. And Oh no, but that's, that's okay. And it's like, no, it's, it's not, you know, you only accept a part of me and how don't you see the problem in that? And yet I'm supposed to sit here and just kind of like let you get away with saying that like, no, like, so my whole thing now is just trying to take every misunderstanding as a coaching moment to just 
help you understand why it hurt me so much for you to say something like that, for people to do things like that. And um, yeah, and so that's what, you know, I wanted to be a part of this to kind of, you know, express that kind of contextualization of our lives. You know, we all have different lived experiences, you know, and it doesn't invalidate anyone else's, you know. Um, yeah, so that's kind of like my intersection, which is a weird one, but it's it's one. Mm, okay, so I grew up in the hood, point blank. Uh, I went to public school. It was a nice school. It was mixed. You see black kids, white kids, Latino kids, Asians. So I went to school with everybody. Um, I really didn't start seeing how bad things were until I got older and graduate. Like, yeah, I was seeing stuff on TV and like, damn, like they really doing that to my people. But then like graduating high school and actually getting pulled over, having the cops tell me, oh, step out your car without even telling me, oh, we doing this and doing that, blah, blah, blah. Like I've been pulled over because the cops said, I was tailgating someone and they told me to get out of my car and they searched my car three times. I mean, they went in my suitcase, they threw all my clothes out and I mean, was doing the most and granted they found my grinder and I got arrested for it. And I was like, wow. Okay. Um, and then even other times I've just been pulled over. I've even had an incident where, it's so crazy, y'all. Somebody down here... Oh, and I grew up in Charleston, South Carolina. South Carolina. <laughs> so that tells you a lot right there. Um, someone decided to rob some houses in a city that's like 30, 40 minutes from me. And apparently, this person left my name and phone number in the house they robbed. So I had this white guy call me and was like, oh my God, how dare you come in my house and steal all my stuff and da 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 And I'm like, what? He was like, yeah, I know you did it because you left your name and your number here. And I'm like, sir, why would how I do does that? that make sense? So y'all, I had the police in my yard for at least two weeks. They found my Facebook. They had my Facebook printed with all my statuses and stuff written. They had a, a, a picture from the government that I don't even remember taking. Um, and they was just like, I just felt some type of way. Like, damn, like, I'm trying to tell y'all, I don't even drive. So how <laughs> was that even me? If I'm robbing someone, why would I leave my, my name and hey. my number there like come on guy like that doesn't make sense but um yes i've definitely had some run-ins with the police thank god i'm still here um what else and also being gay being called the fag word and the sissy word and having you know people look at me weird and you know say stuff under their breath but I want to say I came out at 14 and I remember my best friend telling me, Eric, are you sure you want to do this? And this was like my space days. And I was like, yeah, I don't care no more. Like I'm over it. I'm over hiding who I am. Like I'm tired of acting like this straight guy who I'm not like, this ain't me. Like I, it's draining. Like I want to be myself. I want to be free. And she was like, all right, Eric, are you sure? And I was like, yeah, she was like, all right. Well, I got your back or somebody coming to you, you know, it's going down. I'm like, yeah, girl, you know, we're going to get it. 
So I came out real early and I've had that I don't give a F attitude since 14. And, you know, that's why I came out and did the whole YouTube thing. And I've been talking, you know, about the Mer community and how it is being black in the Mer community and like how Caribbean said, how we got to work 10 times harder for no reason. I feel like there's mermaids out here that get hired, got a basic look. And not really doing nothing as to where we gotta like do all these thousands of emails and do all this extra stuff just so they can see like, hey, we're here too. Like I remember when I had a um a gig salad and it was all of my pictures, and I remember having a lot of white people hit me up, be like, Oh, do you offer Ariel? And I'm like, This page says the Blick Tsunami. <laughs> Why are you asking me for Ariel? Which now is cool because we got an Ariel that looked like us. So, you know, yay! But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's my experience. Nothing really too crazy, but it's definitely my eyes have been opening a lot more the older I get, especially with things going on now. Um, and like y'all said earlier with the whole because um, at first I was the type that would have my white friends joke and say stuff in the whole oh not you though and I'd be like hey but now it's like no mm -hmm. no don't do that like okay. this ain't that like I've even had a mermaid right now who's like well a few who's been telling me stuff and I'm like bruh like this this for me and my people right now like I'm not trying to do nothing for you right now like this for me and my people. Like, this is for our time right now. Like, stop trying to tell me to do stuff for you. <laughs> like, I'm focusing on me and my community as black people. So, that was just my little experience. <laughs> yes. I got one hand cut it up. There you go. I would like to add something, and it's, uh, I've the thing is, everybody have happened in their life with this is like, we live in a society, unfortunately, they forget too quickly and too easy. Yeah. And that's a lot of, uh, I work in an area, uh, priority, white people and stuff like that. And they, I get, after the George Floyd, uh, the race started, I got one customer that, you know, engage me and directly asked me if I was planning to go to raid and destroy the downtown. And my favorite answer was, what? <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, but I, about my work, you know, I'm in a safety area that I cannot be, go crazy. So I take a deep breath, uh, breath and say, no, because I don't believe violence going to resolve any problem. That was my answer to it. And he was like, oh, wow, yeah. There's, um, that's the right answer. You know, what is the right answer? So where is my crown? Because that's what probably the Miss, Miss America would answer in a, in, a, in a patient. And my friend and I started, you know, like she started singing the American, uh, the, the uh, Miss America pregnant song and started, you know, waving and stuff like that. But that, the reason I bring that is because, yes, as a black woman, I learned from very young age that you just shut up, you keep your mouth shut up, 
you put your head down mm-hmm. and, you do the, the, and you know if, if the thing affects you if you open your mouth you are the problem not mm-hmm. that you are the problem mm-hmm. like uh, I get uh, I just read before I started the uh, the chat that I was reading one post that was uh, on, my, on my page and someone has been telling me that you know like um, the reason that this thing happened is my you know it's awful and and, and Particularly in this, she said, it's my fault because yeah, I didn't get successful. Yeah, I didn't uh, uh, have a uh, um, get thing in life. I know should be blaming the white people. And I was like, first, I am not being blaming anyone. I just put a post that someone write. I thought that was very interesting. I, I shared on my, my page. And the thing that will happen here is like people thinking, number one, that this thing just happened 500 years ago. 200 years ago, 50 years ago, it don't happen anymore. And to me, I'm sorry, and I'm glad there is many black people that are very successful. They got money, stuff like that. But you don't have to be Oprah to people hear you. So you don't have to be her because she's, because she's a rich person. Because even Oprah, so, uh, so, uh, I hear an interview that she did, she was discriminated many, many, many times. She, Making her a better person, she she didn't hold that uh, 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 that's against her. But to me, it's like I don't and, and a lot of bad things happened to me in my life. But I don't need to be you know like murdered or beat up to actually care. This is not me being angry with society. It's just. There is enough, you know, it's, it's really enough. Why have to be something like they have, they happen to Joe Floyd to people starting reactions, you know, to me, yes, mm-hmm. when I saw the video, I was like, like I said, I was tired. I told my husband, I'm, I told my husband, I'm tired that this happened because a couple of years ago, all the incident happened and if they would change the law and they do, we do justice because this is not about being black and being white. It's because about getting justice and we are not getting justice and people are like oh no you always hope the black thing or the black people or there is no it's not that why why the human the society no one understand that this is not about the color of the skin well well to me it's not about the color of the skin it's just because nothing hasn't changed so yeah. we've been fighting for years i born in, i born in 1968 the, one of the most violent, violent years they've been recorded and what I see yes, I go to an integrated school with black people and, and white people, that was changed but people continue don't you know, continue discriminate and not be open to us because now people can see it, you know, before you mm-hmm. you can do it, nobody want to take anything but now mm-hmm. People are people are seeing what happened. People are open their mouth, and they are saying, "Hey, this is not right." And I'm telling you, so with 52 years, yes, I haven't put my hand down many, many, many times in my life. And mm-hmm. what's the point? And I was just like, "Say, you know, I don't care anymore. I do whatever I want. I'm trying to be a better person every, every day. I still have dealing with issues, like questioning why people do things now. Hey." At least they are trying. Give it the opportunity yeah. to try. Opportunity that they, most of the time, they don't give it to us. Right. Mm-hmm. 
right? And that's the thing. It's like now is the time. There's an energy. And I think it's important to talk about all sorts of things. And yes, people have died, you know, and it is so, so sad the way we witnessed George Floyd be executed. But at the same time, like you're talking about, like a lot of us just every day we're dealing with just these tiny little microaggressions. Mm-hmm. From the, you know, oh, wow, your hair, I didn't know, whatever, to, you know, just these slightly, a lot of the, a lot of microaggressions. And if you've never heard the word microaggression, please go look Ooh. it up. A I lot of microaggressions are things that, you know, if you wanted to tell your manager, it would be very hard to articulate. Oh, well, yeah. they talk to me like I'm the help. And it's like, well, you are the staff. And it's like, no, 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 no. It's something with the tone. But I'm really excited. I think Kiva is here with us. And I would like you to introduce yourself and share why you're here. Thank you. I'm so glad you were finally able to get connected. Thank you for joining us. Um, so I don't know if it's a, a Apple incompatibility with Apple phones and computers, but um, it, your, this app does not like Safari. Sorry, I was having a hard time there. (laughs) It's okay. Um, I'm here just to speak with all the beautiful mermaids and um, about just the things that we can do um, to promote uh, equality and justice for Black lives um, through the platform of mermaiding and creating art and um, beauty in the world. I think that uh, people are tuned into the Black Lives Matter um, movement right now, and um, that's a beautiful thing. Um, where we don't necessarily need to use our mermaiding to get people's attention because their attention is already on the issue. And I'm for the first time in my life, I'm I'm like, wow, I'm not fighting uphill. Um, so how do we utilize our platforms um, to keep people engaged in that conversation um, to get, you know? Um, reforms made in our cities. I just testified today um, to our mayor about divesting from, uh, $50 million from the police force. Um, mm-hmm. They tried to come back with $27 million and the motion didn't pass. So uh, they're going to reevaluate it. And then I'm writing up like a testimony of my lifetime experience dealing with the Portland Police Department here and the trauma in my life as a black person and as a woman. Um, And then I'm writing um, several initiatives and um, um, different initiatives and different um, things that they need to do to be able to police themselves, like having accountability and also creating opportunities for youth, hold the police accountable for actions. So I wanna see real change, um, measurable change, Mm. qualifiable change yes, it, yes. It's, it's to uh, remove those what are it called um conflicts of interest stop having the police police themselves with mm. internal review boards and internal um kind of uh unionized um police efforts to like keep repeating the same system of oppression that they've been and perpetuating all of this time and start having the people hold them accountable and creating laws and creating opportunities and platforms for the people to voice their concerns to the police and interests where their union is saying, nope, we can't do anything. You should not a police officer. So um, that's what I'm really interested in. 
Awesome. Awesome. Oh. I'm so glad you were able to join us. And I'm so glad you were able to uh, go testify and still come join us. So thank you so much. Um, so let's talk about our experiences just as Black merfolk and what experiences positive and negative we've had with the community uh blix your face just lit up so i'm gonna just uh, <laughs> let you start that conversation and we'll jump around <laughs> i gotta say part of the reason i invited you is you're the person who'll say the things that um i won't say because you know i've got a pollyanna <laughs> reputation and i'd like to maintain it um, <laughs> Y'all know what my reputation already had. <laughs> that's what we like about you. I love that about you and always have. Thank you. Yeah, Thank you. Thank you. I had to, man. I had to. Like, as soon as I really started getting into, like, doing gigs and stuff and really seeing how the mermaid world was no different than the two-legged world, nope. I was like, all right. Since nobody else going to talk, I'm going to say something. So that's what I'm doing. But um, good and bad experiences. Um, I've, I feel like when I have my tail on, when I am Blix, all my experiences are good. I don't think I've ever had a bad experience as Blix. And I thank the almighty universe for that because... <laughs> I don't know what would happen to the other person. But um usually when people see me in a tail, they're like their initial reaction is shocked. They're amazed. They're like, oh my God, like you're a merman? Like those are real? Like you can do that? Like, how much is your tail? Like, did you make it? Da, da, da. Like I usually get questions and people want to take pictures. Um I've read of other, uh, well, like my C-bro Yari, he's had an experience to where he did a party before, and it was, uh, I want to say it was a pride pool party, and he was saying how a lot of the people around him was whispering and was talking trash about him being a guy in a tail, and I'm like, damn, that is so messed up, like, you were around your people and you got this tail on trying to give them their life and they're still not accepting you. And then this is the LGBT community. Like, what the hell? But, um, yeah, I'm trying to really think. I don't think Blix has had any bad experience except for, uh, like I said, with Gig Salad being asked if I had an aerial. But other than that, <laughs> I don't think I've had anything bad. It's mostly been good. On my part. Wonderful. And what are your thoughts on like the larger Mer community? Um, I feel like a lot of them see what's going on, even right now, because I'm watching hard right now. I'm like, oh, so you ain't you didn't even post a black square, huh? Okay. <laughs> so it's like, so I'm watching now, and I feel like at the end of the day. You know, some white folks, they're like, hey, that's not me. I, I, that, it's not affecting me. Even yeah. still, like, yeah, even more now, I'm glad to see more allies and more white people, even Latinos, Asians, everybody coming together for this Black Lives Movement, which is kind of like, for me, a double-edged sword. 
because I feel like, yay, thank you for having our back. But then it's like, but why you ain't been had our back? Yeah, right, right. Why it had to take for a black man to get kneeled on for you to now want to start posting all the black mermaids on your story or giving us shout outs or, you know, like saying, oh, are you okay, Blix? What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> no, I feel triggered and attacked. Yeah, right. like I feel like busting some windows. How about that? How does that feel like yeah. what? I'm not going to do it. Because they're not about to put me on CNN busting somebody's store window down. But inside, I'm like furious. I'm I'm angry. I'm I'm upset. I'm sad. But then also I'm like, yay for people coming together. You know? So um Yeah. Right. Did I go off on the question? I hope I answered that. that <laughs> you good? answered the question. Uh, somebody, Aloria, commented with a nod. So, yeah. <laughs> Let's okay. go, I guess, counterclockwise and shoot it over to Nando. Nando! Nando! Oh. Oh. <laughs> gonna... I, I, I mean, um, like, I'll chuck it up to uh, light skin privilege. Um, I've always just kind of skated by. Um, I have Poseidon silhouette, so it's worked well for me. Um, so yeah, it's been it's 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 been a pleasurable experience until being witness to other mermaids and other people in the community. Like once again, there are no black mermaids. Oh, uh, mermaid, you know, and the, it's what really offends me is the level of science, pseudoscience that goes into yes! why Lord a person is of a specific complexion when genetically like we're all the same and like yeah I get it you know but like still we're the same people and like just the science that goes into coming up with there's only white mermaids that that's just that's the real negative kind of right. racial negative impact that the community has had on me, like that I felt was completely unnecessary. And like, damn, like you're trying that hard. So I had to do a little pseudoscience for myself, and I found Atlantis. In Atlantis, hey, pseudo <laughs> story it was actually in the eye of the Sahara. <laughs> and it's still there. Um, yeah, there were yeah. in that desert. It was there. And if that's the case, everybody was black. So mm-hmm. there goes your science. Um, <laughs> Atlantis was ruled by Poseidon's ten children, which were all twins. Um, the population that has the most um, percentage of twins is Ethiopia. And Morocco. And those are both on the top and the bottom <laughs> of the Sahara. So whenever uh, Atlantis dissipated, those people moved north and south of where they got flooded out from. And so, yeah, they black. Get over it. <laughs> <laughs> I love That's it. For uh, this lesson. Uh, <laughs> yes. And that brings up too, like when Hallie got casted, I kept oh. seeing people say, "Oh, 
to mm. science, mermaids live deep in the water. There's no light, so they have to be white. Yeah. No. And that, 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 that whole thing <laughs> with reopening a, uh, an old wound for, I think, everybody that's, that's of color in the community because we've had this debate well before Halle got cast as Ariel. Mm. Everybody's been having this debate about black mermaids and like mm. you know trying to represent and be inclusive, and then so to have like mainstream go off the deep end as well with the same shit that that really was that that it, it was hurtful for sure that 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 really just kind of like oh damn we have to have this conversation again right but once again yes. We will constantly have to have the conversation, and the point is to keep the conversation going and mm. to not give up on the conversation. So mm. gonna, we got to keep it in their ear till they finally get it. Mm. And that's why we're here is to have conversations and to build bridges. And while we're being very honest and raw, if you know, I said that maybe you know I'm so tired of people saying things about my hair, and you're like, oh my gosh, I said something about her hair. She must hate me. I don't hate you. In yeah. fact, I promise you, like, well, this is actually kind of cool. It feels like a family reunion. So we're a little bit here for black folks. But really, I, I'm here to build bridges and to kind of allow us to be vulnerable so that maybe just maybe, you know, people will rethink their behaviors and be open to improving them and not in a, you know, I said this thing once. And so now, oh, God, I'm a racist. And I guess I should just stop trying. No, keep trying. Like yeah. we all need to keep trying and we all need to keep doing better. And I hope you heard in our conversation that even as black folks, we absorb anti-blackness mm. and have to unlearn it too. And I think that mm. several of our stories have kind of addressed how we have to unpack and unlearn our own anti-blackness because that's how much is ingrained into our larger culture. Pearl, mm. how has your experience been with the mermaid community and as a mermaid and you've we believe you are the first <laughs> black mermaid in yeah. North America. Yeah. Yeah. I was the first one, but thank you, but probably the first one in the East Coast. East Coast, uh, okay. All right. Probably, but uh, I don't like to say that was the first one because I just have to go into do research and right. now I don't want to find someone. I was the first one, no. Right. But now, now at least in, in, in South Florida, I was the first one or one of the first one. And I haven't... My experience, most of the time, I will say 95% of my experience, I'm being positive and being really uh, pleasure and, and enjoyable. I'm Caribbean Pearl just because you guys create me literally. I just want to be a mermaid. That's all. I was just, yeah. uh, I just like the whole mermaid uh, mythology and stuff like that. And actually, was. Um, I got friends in California at that time, and I get a little scoop about the Pirates of the Caribbean was going to have mermaids in, in one of the fiction movies. And I was like, I'm a pirate, so I have to be a mermaid. So that was actually how, how my path started. And I was working in a pirate store, and I, the first person that I told them, oh, I want to I want, I want, I want be a mermaid. Yeah, what are you thinking I get? It's no such a thing as a black mermaid. What are you talking about? So you cannot be a mermaid. So no. like, okay, and go with the whole sign thing thing. I was like, well, I don't know, but the ocean is so big. Still, people study the ocean. Plus, 
if you go to a community, it's no more variety in different in the ocean. There's even so many fishes. Mm. But just because you say I cannot be a mermaid, guess what? I'm going to be a mermaid. Yes. But yeah, my my first my first my first thing of the mermaid was I cannot be mermaid because I was black. That was the first thing. And I started doing uh, like uh, research and finding stuff. And that's what was like uh, in the beginning. In the beginning, like definitely wasn't not we are not was a market. So the few people that was out there uh, making tail costume and stuff like that, we was on a market. They was really. I feel that's what I feel. This is my experience and uh, totally personal. Is that there wasn't no much to uh, at least that you was a big name wasn't no too much interesting in make a tale for you. So yeah, you know, mm-hmm. calling us for people. That's actually what I find out too. They they actually the mermaid community was a big community. I thought there was just few people in in Costa and in Wikiwashi. That's it. And <laughs> what bigger than uh, bigger than that? Um, and just because the, the way that I am, <laughs> like the okay, so you told me not, so I'm gonna do it. And the the way they um, kind of connect with people, especially with the entertainment people. So one thing bring to another one. So I don't really started to like thinking, you know, like become professional mermaid, but. They give me the opportunity. Let's say, oh, you know, we have this event and we want you. And most of the thing, they 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 kind of is like, I haven't done a lot for the for the year that I'm being as a mermaid. No, oh my goodness, <laughs> not not because I cannot do anything like that. It's more because I, from the beginning, you want to have a mermaid. Uh, to pay. So I, from, from day one, I made the decision that I'm not not going to do, you know, not because oh, this is the first time. Mm-hmm. The first time. This is this is culture. This is a new event. This is a new festival. Ah, uh, yeah, it's culture. Don't pay the uh, my rent to the to the to the landlord. But I'm dying of exposure. <laughs> But don't tell me wrong. Yes, and someone pointing jumping around like she's a liar. I've done uh, uh, free stuff. Uh, that's what you think. Not every gift that you get had to be money. So I always look in the way that at least my time is paid in one way or another one, and that's why they always say, you know, you got a sponsor, you got uh, maybe. You cannot pay me in cash, but you uh, cover my expenses. So, and you know, to me, yeah, I, can, yeah, I break even. It's a good, is is a good gift. Unfortunately, I say, fortunately for me, it being good about me being in that position. You know, like oh, you know, like well, we cannot pay you. Okay, hey, you can find somebody else. No problem. I don't have any problem with that. Exactly. About that ten percent, they probably. You know, the make made make me work harder is like, oh yeah, it's just that you don't look princess, so you don't look like our sister Ariel, and you have to visit. <laughs> That's not family friendly at all. 
So yeah, she, she's sexualized. Yeah, my, my biggest problem in the mermaid community is not being black or or, or being a mermaid color. Is just they have boobies and they are big. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> so and so I get and but uh, and I get you know so nobody support the fam, uh, family and they say well. You know, give me the opportunity. You know, do you thinking that only the my golden top that I'm, I'm very proud of what it almost like 99% of the time that's the only top I have? But you don't have that. So one of the things that you learn in, in the mermaid community that and, and Nando probably know is like, oh, you are not what the client wants. Yes. Mm. You all have been there and I know it. So mm-hmm. like, well, you look good, but you are not. And then, yeah, didn't show you because. And it's an easy way to say no because the color of your skin, or mm. because the volatility of your body, or because I have a friend that because she was gay and the guy want prove it that she was a woman. So stuff like that, and and you feel like and you feel like oh my god, so what is that? And ironic. My biggest, uh, my biggest uh, salary as a as a, a was one for a four year old uh, little girl, and my and no problem. And when I moved to California, my first gig actually was for a one year old girl, and mom picked the top, and I was like, you don't think, you know, here everybody say was like. Do you not see that's a little too provocative for uh I was like, no, it's perfect. Mermaid's supposed to be top. And I was like, yeah, but we cannot go there. So you wanna be kid. And, <laughs> and I feel uh, and I feel really awkward because Latin, you know, in, in our community, you go to a birthday party and it's kid every age. And yeah. most of the time it's it's mommy with the with the kid. No, this event was number one, the, the little girl was turning one. So she's still a baby. She don't want to remember so much. And but mom created the birthday, and every guest was not older than the two year, and was mommy and daddy with the kid. And immediately when they bring the mermaid, you see the women like husband to this side. That was kind of kind of funny for me because like, and then. And I'm more like like not getting gay just because suppose I'm not the princess look type and I never wanna honestly I'm sorry for all the princesses but no, I don't wanna be a princess. I prefer to be brave and go and fight for my, and kill the dragon myself. But yes. but and, and and then when I when I went to um, and here in Florida, because I have a lot of uh, friends, a lot of private friends, I was doing pretty good. But then I had to leave. I had to leave in California, Nando. <laughs> we switched <laughs> Don't tell me wrong. It's amazing and stuff like that. But that's when I learned that, yeah, they, um, uh, it's not what the client want. And that's the word, the easy way to say they don't want you. And because I got, I got another experience that was um, they pick another mermaid and stuff like that. But I went to to the event. It was a, a a free event, and you see, and you see, you know, when and I told this to Nando, you can be a mermaid, but you have to create your personality. You need to create 
who you are. And so, let's say, I don't have any problem to talk to anybody, to get approached, you know. Sometimes people get a little, a little weirdo, so my bartender experience all help me. Uh, you know, like, what? I'm straight moving, like, ooh. Smoking ears. And they were saying, oh, but uh, why you are not a mermaid? And I was like, well, you got hired. And she doesn't say nothing. She's sitting there. And one of the things I like about this one is like, when I was a pirate and I want to do a shooting cannon and stuff like that, the guys know, oh, pi again, pirates, no, it's not for women. No social team, uh, a women pirates. It's not like, and they don't let me shoot cannon because I was supposed to be a woman. So I went and get certified in, in, in artillery, shoot cannons, blah, blah, blah. But I remember that before that, everybody like, can I help? Oh, no, just sitting there and look pretty. And I hate that so much. I hate that. Sitting down, and I now I love it. <laughs> I love it because <laughs> sitting down looking pretty and doing nothing. <laughs> so that was a, a, good, a good thing. Uh, in the industry, uh, going with a little bit with uh, Pearl, I'm actually going to cut you off for just a bit because um, I know the Mermaid podcast has a short time. So I'm going to ask. Just to share, and then I want us to keep talking, but I want to kind of like wrap the official like this is the mermaid podcast segment, and then you know <laughs> chat because I any I, I want to hear what you have to share. I really do, um, and I appreciate that you're here. Um, so, Jess, how's your experience being a black mermaid, both with you know customers and as well as with um, the mer community at large? So with customers, um, being a mermaid has been absolutely fantastic. Um, I think that sometimes when I arrived at some birthday parties or I'm doing a show, um, people are shocked, um, especially uh, the little kids that are black or of color. And, and the white ones, I don't think, tend to notice. I haven't had any comments from them, but I've had actually a lot of black kids say, oh, my gosh, I had one black girl that I was literally in conversation with like my entire time I was in the tank and I would come up and she's like, so why are you black? And you can sweat. I mean, she had all these questions because of the stereotypes that she grew up with um, mm -hmm. and ones that I grew up with, but I just, I'm the type of person who just doesn't follow stereotypes. I've always been a swimmer, always been a fish, didn't care about what's going to happen to my hair, didn't think I'm going to drown. Um, but just seeing their faces light up and knowing that they can be a mermaid too has been just a great experience. With the mer community um, in person and, you know, um, like, on social media, it's been great. The, the real problem I see is in the mer groups. That's when I see the blatant racism. That's when I see the weird comments. The mer groups, I'm like shocked. I'm like, you know, the hashtag not my aerial, the hashtag, you know, all the stuff about, um, you know, the, the science behind why mermaid, like Blix was saying, the science why mermaids can, black mermaids can exist, stuff like that is what I see in the mer groups. And I'm shocked that these people who are the same people liking my page, the same people commenting and, you know, that seem like good mer friends, mer sisters, mer, you know, folk, and they <laughs> show their, I don't know if it's ignorance, I don't know what it is, it, it's the way that they were raised, it's something that's baffling to me, um, what I see going on in these mer groups, but the treatment that I've received has been incredible from customers and the Mer community. I just am shocked at what I see in the Mer groups. Mm. Um, okay. To speak about the whole aerial thing, uh, 
at first, <laughs> I was shocked that there was a black girl that was cast as Eric. And my whole thing was, it doesn't match the picture scene for scene. Once I was able to get over that, close my eyes and listen to the girl talk and sing, it's her part. Yeah, yeah it's her voice. Just first initial, like, the picture, the picture. Growing up with that and the nostalgia of that, like, yeah, that's what I expected to see. You know, I expected to see Hermione Granger in red hair on there. Um, I feel that one of the bigger casting reasons why they went with a black girl was the fact of Mira in um, Aquaman. Yep. They had that girl in the worst mm -hmm. lace front <laughs> and it tested so bad on camera uh -huh. <laughs> on all the dry shoots if you go back and watch that movie yes. every dry shoot I, I, I was obsessing about her wig the entire time her hair, her hair, the red it just, uh, man and it frustrated me and I can imagine that the casting directors were like you know what, look Black dreads hold up in water the same as <laughs> and they do. Look, no. skin enough. Just work. She got the face. She has a thing, and I, and and, and they went for it. You know, uh, Disney right. is moving forward in a female right. forward direction. They're moving in an ethnically forward direction. Get mm -hmm. with it, or get left behind. We lost. Blixie Boo. <laughs> but yeah like um at first I, I i did kind of have that initial kind of like whoa shock and then i was able to kind of like suspend my own kind of like bias towards it and yeah of course she's gonna be ariel you know but yeah like at first like i was with everybody else in that kind of like, oh, she's not white. Oh, you know, but then like, wait a minute. Like this girl is amazing. Right. And yeah, like. But and it takes place in the Caribbean Sea. I, I think part of the decision, I have not researched this. I am not. Don't guys, please still be my friend. I'm not the biggest Disney fan. Like I appreciate Disney. Um, but, you know, it's I, I'm not following, you know, all the conversations, but if Disney is realizing that representation matters, here's the story that A, takes place in the Caribbean, um, not the original Hans, or, you know, the text, not the original text, but the Disney version already takes place in the Caribbean. Yeah. But also, you know, it's not tied in the way that like Aladdin or Mulan or even, you know, um, yeah, it's so, not. Beauty and the Beast is not tied to geography or regional, right? Like, and so, yeah, if like, Disney is realizing that representation is important, you know, this is a great story that a you can be radical and deal with some of these things. And we haven't talked about the statistics of Black kids um, swimming, um, but here's this way where you can, you know, add in representation. Uh, be really radical, but you're not going, okay, well, what is this little black girl doing in, you know, China, which also would obviously not be the thing to do to like take another ethnic story, but I just am using that as a grand example. All right. Yeah, so, I mean, Maria is telling me that, oh, yeah, on TV, the, the she Tiana had a black thing always gets used. You right. know, you, 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 got like, yeah, 
yeah, just saying, like, you went for the Mulan, like, a lot of times they'll use the Tiana thing and say, oh, well, we can't have a white girl be Tiana. And it's, <laughs> once again, it's, you, you know, that was, that, that was in a historic point in a very specific regional place. Right, of right. Louisiana. Right. And it wouldn't make sense if she happened to be a white girl when she was... Mm-hmm. Exactly. Y- y- so I'm going to stop us real quick just so no. we can kind of give our, like, we're not getting off, but we're going to give her like our final podcast thoughts because I think I'm way over time. I know we're way over time. Um, so uh, whatever your just last kind of, it can be how people can be better allies to you. This is, you know, just something you want to share about yourself. Kind of just your last closing out podcast moment. Oh, also how people can find you, right? Like we want to amplify the voices and the access to us. So also how folks can find you. Uh, yeah, I'll start with Jess and send it back around. All right. So um, I can be found on dcmorbid.com. My website is under construction, but actually it's supposed to go live tomorrow. So look out for my new awesome website. Um, I um, the, and One of the last things I do want to say is I have to say that I was very impressed with uh, China for having the only Americans be two black merfolk representing America at the World of Mermaid Championships this past year. So that was awesome and yay. And they did actually get a little flack for that, which was disappointing. But hey, look at them being really progressive. (laughs) Awesome. Pearl? Okay, so you guys always uh, can find me Facebook and Instagram and The Caribbean Pearl. Um, be careful because the only reason I have to put the Caribbean Pearl is because Caribbean Pearl is a chain of hotels. Oh, okay. And if you just put Caribbean Pearl, you're going to get a lot of things except me. So, hashtag <laughs> the Caribbean Pearl. And one other thing that I want to uh, close is uh, or say is like, a lot of things that happen is because different generations, you know, like, um, uh, let's talk about a little bit about the aerial effect, the new light aerial movie. You know, I was at home. I don't know exactly what happened in, 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 in the, in the, in the media when they announced, um, a Holly being cast as aerial. They are get called for the Mermaid Convention in Sacramento, California to be part and the diversity panel that they decide to create. Yes, I say yes, I'm good. I was happy to do it, but I didn't really know what was the, what happened and was a big, you know, all this aerial, traditional aerial, they create, create and even say thing that maybe should be not to say or writing. And, but to me, and obviously, and in the convention, one of the, I was waiting because I know one of the, the questions, one of the, the, what I was thinking about Aaron B. Cast as a black girl. And this was my answer. And this is for everybody. Good. Now we're going to have another mermaid movie. And that's right. going to be a job for everybody. Everybody. Not area, but for us too. And actually, mm-hmm. unfortunately for the coronavirus, I got my first uh, gift for the black girl that she told the mom. I want her because she looked like me, and that was very touching. And that's very, you know, like. <gasps> and unfortunately, her her uh, her birthday had to be in home, and just waiting for her. The the she told me, I told her, you know, 
doesn't matter whatever that you pick, I'm gonna I'm gonna be there and you know for the opportunity. But like um Jesse was uh, saying, you know, like you know, getting more girls that you know like and don't feel like in the bag and stuff like that. And it's like she looked like me, you know, it's something that again I'm not big Disney fan either, but I have other movies. But <laughs> thank you, Disney, for what you open and for recognizing the diversity is what people want in this day. So we, yeah, we like Prince and mom being blonde and blue eyed, but hey, some black guy, you know, with a little um, bad boy look is hard. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Nando, any closing thoughts? Um, closing, um, I just want to express um, patience and understanding of oneself in that journey and then just express um having that patience with someone else in a moment where they step out of character out of line let's take that moment to coach that person um yes because a lot of times when somebody does speak out of character um and they do get checked the first thing is to be defensive and then they're resistant towards anything um so I hate to say we need to like take the moment to rise above in that occasion and spit some knowledge on them and and uh the what's the word I want to use uh take it as a coaching moment um mm-hmm. to 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 really kind of you know express why and just uh contextualize things and 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 you know bring that face to it um so that maybe they won't step out of character the next time yeah, we need to break the the cycle and on all this because most of the thing that happened in this day is because we learn it. So and it, it's all past traumas being re-traumatized on us. Yeah, and then right. how do people find you? Oh, people can find me on Facebook. <laughs> uh, I am uh, Fernando Delacroix on Facebook. Uh, my Facebook uh, jail account is Nando D D E. Uh, that's only present when I'm in jail. Um, and if you get a friend request from him, it is me, and it's me in this hat and a grumpy face like this. Uh, and it's because I've been put in Facebook jail. Um, the website is uh, under construction and will be up uh, probably by the end of the year. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, oh, Instagram uh, F C V O N D E E S. Okay. <laughs> awesome. Okay, so on IG you can find me at the period Blick Tsunami. Uh Facebook, I think it's uh Blick Tsunami the Geechee Merm. And then uh I think that's it. And then for closing, all I have to say is be who you wanna be, no matter what nobody say, because opinions will not buy you a tail or make you happy and split splash on them anchovy head ass haters. (laughs) (laughs) I love you, man. (laughs) And I am Shay Monique. Um, and you can find me. Well, not everywhere. I, do not have a Twitter right now. No. I have a personal, like, non-mer Twitter that is inactive. But no, you can find me everywhere at Mermaid Shea Monique. Um, you're obviously, like, on my Facebook page if you're live now. So that's where I am mm-hmm. on Facebook. Um, so that means you know how to spell it. So that's perfect. 
mermaidshamonique.com, Instagram, mermaidshamonique. Um, and, you know, oh, I'm on uh, Tickety Talk. I'm old, see, the, the Ticket Talk thing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what's that thing the kids do? Uh, and it's largely inactive, but I'm actually really excited. I'm thinking I'm going to do quick lessons on um, just different race based issues on TikTok. So, like, you're like one minute lesson in an accessible format. So, look for that yeah. coming okay. soon. Yeah. Um, yeah. My final thoughts, I want to thank the Mermaid Cat podcast for kind of, you know, sharing this with their audience. Um, Pearl, when you were talking about how, you know, you don't get discriminated against so much for the color of your skin, but because you've got boobs, like, interestingly, though, that too, you know, that's also an intersectional identity, right? Because Black women and Latinas are highly sexualized. And so, you know, you'll see, you know, this used to get me in elementary school. You know, I would wear something or not elementary school, like middle school and high school. I'd wear something and I'd get sent to the principal's office for being too sexy. Um, but like my white friends would have the exact same outfit on and not have problems. And so that's another, you know, even though it's not because you're black or because you're Latina, you know, but because you're curvy, but like, you know, there's these Jezebel stereotypes and whatnot that, you know, are worth looking into for people who are just trying to educate themselves. Um, and then also, I just want to say to people like, A, please, 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 please call your people out, like work on unlearning and unpacking this stuff. Like we're not going to get rid of racism with black people saying that racism is bad. Like, duh. Like I need, you know, white folks to just step a little bit outside of your comfort zone and start calling your people out. And, yes, you know, shield. yes, please yes. Um, call out your grandmama, call out your racist uncles, call out your racist aunties. Cause I know they're there. <laughs> all you have to do is yeah. say why. Um, and I'm, I'm why right. I'm going to say for like yeah. after, after we're done, but yeah. And then also I just want to say like, go, go to the light, you know, all of us, like just, just go towards the light. And even I've been getting a lot of people who want me to like proofread right. their like Facebook posts because they don't want to like offend somebody and like, Hey, you it's too? 2020, <laughs> it's 2020. You're always going to offend somebody, but B like, if you're really speaking, with a pure heart, like I think people can read that. So if this is not a PR stunt and this is actually how you feel, people will will hear that and most people will be forgiving. Now I'm gonna say a lot of black people are angry right now and they're just looking for a reason to be like, I can't believe you said that. This isn't enough. I can't speak for all of us, but in general, just like move with the light. So I'm gonna call this our official end of the mermaid podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked what you heard, please tell a friend or leave a review. Reviews are really important because they help other mermaid lovers find us. The easiest way to leave a review is right in the app that you are using to listen to this episode or leave a review on our Facebook page. If you'd like to stay in touch with us, the best thing to do is sign up for our email list. We only send you emails that you like about new episodes and you will get exclusive behind the scenes content 
content that you won't see anywhere else. Join the email list by dropping your email address into the sign-up form, which you can find in any of the episode show notes at mermaidpodcast.com. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram. We are at Mermaid Podcast, and we always love to see you on social media. Again, we'll have links to all of the mermaid news mentioned in this episode on our website, mermaidpodcast.com. Our jingle was recorded by Tori Scott, the world-famous cabaret singer. You can find Tori at itstoriescott.com. And the Mermaid Podcast is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts that you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. Thank you for listening. And remember, don't quit your daydream. It's the Mermaid Podcast. We've got mermaids on the land and down below. Legs or fins, you will love our show. All the news that makes a splash is on the Mermaid Podcast.